This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Gary Scott. Joining me is the one and only Gavin J. Baxter. Gavin, how is it going? Back in more, a more comfortable area behind the editing suite today than than live. Oh, that was, whew, that was, that was nerve-wracking. No, no, I mean, jokes aside, Sunday, the live show at Siberia, that was a lot of fun a hell of a lot of fun and the fact that people came along and are interested because you know anytime you do something like this you're always got that little bit of fear in the background of how much people actually really care about whatever it is that we have to say and <laughs> the fact that people showed up the fact that people were there people listened in and it all went smoothly yeah it was a lot of fun gotta give thanks to everyone that was there and obviously the good folks at Siberia but uh, it's nice to be back in these more familiar circumstances yeah, absolutely. I think we'll just echo that on behalf of Graham as well. No, thank you to everybody who turned up at the bar on Sunday afternoon. Thank you to people who listened in online live as we did it and contributed via that uh, medium as well, which was great. I think we got a lot of um, feedback as well about it, which was good, about how we can maybe look at just improving that going forward, how we deal with that. That's great. Obviously, the audio from it went out today. appreciate it's very different in terms of quality from what we normally try to put out there, but that is just the nature of the beast unfortunately where we've got our nice warm microphones here in our home studio setups that we have for general podcast stuff compared to obviously recording it live in a bar and a live scenario is going on the stream but yeah i think we've got some good learnings from that as well which are great so we'll take them forward hopefully we'll maybe do a couple more of these types of things throughout the course of the season whether that's pre-match or maybe post-match again but yeah all good again thank you so much to everybody who contributed on the day and hung about afterwards as well um I actually got a couple of pints with various people and just had a good old chat about the Dons, which is always good. But anyway, onwards, Gavin, onwards. Uh, because today we're going to bring you just a slightly shorter episode than usual. We're going to preview Friday night's trip to Sterling to take on Sterling Albion in the Via Play Cup second round. We'll check in just with the women's team to see how they got on at the weekend. And then after the break, we'll bring you a very special edition of My Favourite Game. This time we sat down with the chairman. Mr. Dave Cormack to get his thoughts on his favourite game, which is, of course, Hibs nil, Aberdeen 5 from May 1980, the day the Dons won the title. But first, Gav, um, after Sunday afternoon's frustrating defeat, I think we're best to put it that way, um, against Celtic at Pataudry, we're back in League Cup action on Friday evening is the Via Play second round kicks off where the first match of the card over the course of the weekend due to circumstances and it's a return trip 
to Sterling. Sterling, of course, progressing to the groups, uh, uh, progressing from the group stages, I should say, after finishing as one of the best runners up from the group stages. They finished second in Group A with three wins and a draw wins over Stenhouse Muir, Allo Athletic, and then a thumping 4-0 win over Premiership St. Johnston. A 1-1 draw with Air United. They lost on penalties by 4-3. to They've opened their League One campaign in fine fashion, two 1-0 wins over Edinburgh City and then against Alloa Athletic as well. That sees them sitting joint top of the table with a 100% record so far. That's fresh, of course, off their League Two title win last season where they eventually cantered to top spot after a bit of a battle with Dumbarton through the midway point of the campaign. Sterling, of course, Gav, my tip to go back-to-back and secure promotions to the second tier this season under ex-Don. Darren Young as well. Two clean sheets so far from both their league games. Only three goals conceded in their League Cup campaign. Top scorers so far, Dale Carrick, the ex-Hearts player and defender Paul McLean with three goals apiece. Reasonably settled squad from the one that won League Two last season. Centre forward Dale Hilson joining from our both. That's been supplemented with Lewis Milne in a central midfielder from Montrose and then goalkeeper Mark Weir from Bonnie Rig Rose. Of course, Gavin, remember, that's a far cry from the situation that Darren Young had inherited at the start of last campaign. Yeah, I don't think you can understate how good a job Darren Young has done at Sterling Albion. I remember we spoke, of course, with Darren uh, prior to the game with Sterling in the group stage last year, and it was a, a familiar tale amongst a lot of the kind of part-time teams in League One and League Two where, you know, there's so much money getting thrown around both the Lowland League and the Highland League that it's becoming increasingly difficult for these clubs to attract players and so you end up kind of just scrapping out amongst themselves for a pretty small pool of of quality players um i think you saw last year whenever you watched league two highlights there was a couple of teams that had maybe a standout star player that maybe they fell into the trap of relying on you think of albion rovers with charlie riley um elgin city with kane hester sterling albion it just seemed like dad and just put together a team that was you know no no star player as such just to mold them into being a really, really solid unit. Um, there's one or two players in there that are have played at a higher level. Um, you had Carrick, um, who's played at Hearts and Kilmarnock, and Jack Leach played at Motherwell. Yeah. I'm going to mention some of those recruits there. You know, Dale Hilson as uh, a name that I've seen at Arbroath the last couple of years. Lewis Milne has always been a pretty consistent player for Montrose, who've been up at the, the right end of the League One table. So it feels very much like Darren's just, you know, building and building. And um, it's between what they've managed to do in the League Cup group stage to finish unbeaten, win three games and, and draw one is is frankly incredible. And then to get off that good start, they, it seems like they're really um, still riding that wave of momentum they've taken from kind of January onwards. Absolutely. Of course, you don't need to look too far into the annals of time to find the last time we played the Beano's in the League Cup. That was obviously coming in the group stages last season as a thoroughly professional first half performance. So Jim Goodwin's Aberdeen side five goals to the good at halftime, which also allowed the introduction of a certain Louis Lopez at halftime for his debut. Um, we'll come up just look at that game again in a minute or two, Gav. But in the League Cup, from a historical perspective, we faced off against Sterling on nine occasions, Aberdeen winning eight of those by an aggregate scoreline of 24 to 4, our only defeat in the League Cup, uh, that coming at the old Anfield Stadium in Sterling back in 1976, a 1 0 win 
for the home side in that one. In all competitions we faced Albion on 15 occasions, we won 14 of those, the only defeat that aforementioned League Cup set back in 1976. Expected to be a more than healthy crowd at the fourth bank on Friday evening at Aberdeen, of course, selling out our allocation once again for this one. I mean, technically speaking, Gav, pulling Sterling out of the hat for round two did mean that we were drawn with the lowest ranked side left in the competition. So you have to take the positives from that. But it's pretty clear that as we just touched on, firstly, this will be a completely different test, I think, from the one that we faced at the fourth bank this time last season. And secondly, after our Scottish Cup debacle last campaign, we can't afford to take it lightly, can we? Well, you say our Scottish Cup debacle, you've also got to think about our League Cup debacle two years prior when we were probably guilty of taking our opposition too lightly. So um, I think we're going to talk about the the potential 11 there um, in a few moments. Um, yeah, once again, I mean, Darren, was ve- Darren Young was very much in the early stages, it felt, of putting a team together at Sterling. We're now talking about the League Two champions, a team that have started the season very, very well indeed. Um, it's going to be a completely different test. You have to be happy, of course, to draw, as you say, the lowest ranked team left in the op- in the in the tournament, but this is going to be by no means easy. Yeah, and I think that was one of those performances last season, wasn't it, where things seemed to really click for us in that first half. I mean, we were, we were very, very good in that first half against Sterling um, last season, it's fair to say. Um, and I think if we carried on with the kind of um, impetus that we showed in the first half, we could have easily hit double figures against them second half. We totally did take the take the foot off the gas a little bit. And like we said, we had the introduction of Lou Lopez. and From memory, Duke could have had about a hat-trick in that game. So um, yes. there was a lot about that game that was maybe a, a false pretense as to what the future held for a number of individuals and units. Absolutely. Um, Albion have predominantly kind of played this season with a 4-4-2, so it'll be interesting to see how that matches up against our 3-5-2. I mean, Gav, coming into this one, do you expect to see some changes from Barry Robson ahead of what is coming up to be a, a really busy few weeks for us now? Because we have our Europa League playoff round first leg um, the following Thursday. That obviously will be against Balkluven Hecken or Zalgiris Vilnius the following Thursday. I mean, is this an opportunity for maybe some fringe players, maybe some of the new arrivals, you know, the likes of Vinny Bajouin or Dadia? maybe even some minutes for James McGarry, or do you think Barry Robson is just going to go with his best 11, knowing that, you know what, we've got nearly the best part of a week off um, before heading into that playoff? I'm not entirely sure. There's um, a part of me, I'm kind of in two minds on this. I think, I, I like to think that Barry's the kind of manager that's going to just go in with the strongest 11 possible and get the job done. And if we're in a comfortable position, a la the, the fixture last year, then we can think about uh rotating you know at halftime or early on in the second half but i mean there's a number of players in our squad that haven't had much in the way of game time at all so far um even including just you know pre-season games they were around for um or daddy is probably the perfect example of that and with with the out as vinny bajowin as has vinny um i mean it sounds like james mcgarry's pretty much ready to go um in his words yeah, I'll be surprised though with that. He didn't go on this. The Central Coast Mariners went on a trip, went on a preseason tour to uh, what's Indonesia or somewhere in the Far East. Anyway, he didn't travel on that because the deal with Aberdeen had been agreed some quite some time ago. Well, I mean, also there's that, and there's that that Pete pointed out to us that you know historically um, James has not had the greatest track record in starting and finishing matches. So I think there's going to be some 
work to be done to get him up to speed um, in Scotland, especially. I mean, I don't know what the intensity and tempo of the game in Australia is comparable, but I would imagine it's probably not as fast and in your face as it is here. Um, But then that just comes back to the point that... um, These boys also need minutes, don't they? They need need minutes, minutes, the game time, there's no reserve league. There's no other way of them getting up to speed. But let's be honest, this is our one of two realistic chances of winning a trophy. So when it comes to that... Are you writing off our league campaign, Gavin, after two games this season? I think... I mean, what we're going to have to... We're trailing St. Mirren by five points already. I think that's going to be a mountain to climb, uh, quite honestly, the way they're going. Um, So in that sense, I, I just, you know, I think in a way it makes sense. It's kind of almost like a pragmatic, not pragmatic, a diplomatic way of getting these guys minutes against an opposition where they should be able to do the job. But then I think of Darvel and I think of Wraith Rovers. So um, that'll be interesting to see the way Bayer Robson approaches it. I don't think Bajowin or Stuart will play at all. I think we'll stay with that 3-5-2 system. Uh, I think Stuart's just completely out of the picture and I don't think there's a space in the team for Bajowin in that role. Um, so... I do expect a little bit of rotation. Um, I hope to Christ he doesn't do the Jimmy Caldwell thing of swapping the goalkeepers because that's just a... Yeah, not a fan. Never, a fan. never like it. Unless you're, you know, a Real Madrid or a Chelsea <laughs> or a Man City and you've got two top-class goalkeepers, then fair play. But if you're or Aberdeen and you're, if you're Aberdeen going from, uh, I don't know, Jamie Langfield to Bertie. Sorry, <laughs> Andy. Sorry, Andy. I know, I know you loved him, but uh, I would like us to take this... Seriously, and just go as strong as we can and get I mean, the job done. There's an argument you could theoretically go three five two and put Bajau in and playing up top alongside maybe Esther Sokler, for example. There, that that is an argument. Yep, there is an argument to be made there. I'm not sure how sound an argument is, but the only reason uh, I'm asking about Bajau is because in the post, a lot of the post match commentary after the game on Sunday, Robson still seems to be indicating that there's potentially a place for Vinny in his team. It just needs patience, but I struggle to see we've talked about it to death i think on the show already i struggle to see how unless he changes shape um and I'm, i don't see him deciding to do that anytime soon if we were to go down that route i'd, I'd rather see alfie bavage play up front Which with, is, with yeah, esther sokler yeah. rather than that if we we're going down that route rather than once again sort of shift Vinny into a more familiar but still not really familiar position to what he's what was brought into play um i i, I did hear that from by robson i'm not sure i buy it um, when it comes to Vinny but no, my, my stance is very much let's get Miofsky, Duke up front as strong a team and let's just get the job done interestingly tonight as well now I'm not saying for a minute that he'll feature on Friday night but interestingly obviously we're playing in our SPFL Trust Trophy tie against Peter Hare just as we're as we're recording this just now and an interesting inclusion in the in the team lineup tonight um, in the form of Reese Williams who we touched on, I think, a little bit in the live episode on um, on Sunday afternoon. There's been a lot of rumour and innuendo. A lot of rumour and innuendo. Around um, Reese Williams' kind of position at the moment. So that's certainly a very intriguing piece to have seen because obviously it felt as though Angus McDonald was closer to potentially a full uh, a first-team return a couple of weeks ago. Barry Robson seemed to indicate over the course of the weekend that he's probably still a couple of weeks away, it sounds like. Um it sounded like Reese Williams was, in Barry Robson's words, further away than that. And then yet here we are, he's playing tonight against uh, Peter Head in the, in the SPFL Trust Trophy. Be interesting to see how that goes. Very much so. Um, keeping an eye out for what our scouts on the ground have to make of, well, the result and obviously Reese Williams' performance. On that then, 
Yeah, I've just quit. Let's have a look. I'll venture a prediction for us for Friday night at the fourth bank. Yeah, like like I say, not going to be easy. It's it's not going to be another five nil. I'm I'm pretty certain of that. Uh, yeah, tough game. I think we'll come through it by two goals to nil. Lovely stuff. Yeah, I kind of feel that we'll do enough. I think Barry will have us in a professional manner. We'll get through the tie. It'll be comfortable enough. He'll be able to bring some players off after you know. 50 55 minutes or some of that rest a few boys up ahead of that game against uh, Hecken or Vilnius of course it looks as though it will be Hecken um 3-1 up from the first leg I don't know if this will go out before that second leg is complete or not we'll wait and see but that's what's going to happen but there you reckon 2-0 Aberdeen I'm going to follow up with that as well I think I think 3-0 Aberdeen will be two up with some time to spare let's just quickly look on to the women's team because obviously we, we put out a special episode 118 was it 118 yep. yeah i think it was earlier in the week uh, a special preview show for the season ahead thanks again to sophie goodwin and to nadine hansen for joining us to to give us the preview of that that's something we're going to try and do a little bit more of this season is try and look at some more deep dive specials on the women's team as the season progresses but they, of course, got off to a winning start on Sunday afternoon with a well-deserved and impressive 3-2 win against Motherwell at the Bubble Model Stadium. Debuts for new loan goalkeeper Faye Kirby and new signing Laura Holden with a familiar face in the form of Bailey Collins in the starting lineup for the Steel Women. Amy Black, who was celebrating her 17th birthday on Sunday, starting for the Dons as well for the very first time at SWPL1 level. Bailey Hutchison opening the scoring on 10 minutes, sliding past Emily Much in the well goal before then Hutchison grabbed her second of the game just before halftime, following up to prod home her own rebound after Much had spilled her first effort. Laura Holden replaced the halftime with Ava Thompson coming on after an injury to the newcomer before Aberdeen then made it 3-0 just after the hour mark. Hannah Stewart, who's had a really impressive pre-season, it's fair to say, racing onto a through ball to finish past Much. And that was it. The Dons were on easy street. A double from McDonald Ngua, ensuring a nervy last few minutes. But all in all, an extremely good start gaff for new manager Clint Lancaster, especially considering, you know, we've touched on it a lot in the preview, but the overall age profile of the squad, you saw that again there at the weekend with Amy Black, who just turned 17 literally on Sunday, starting the game, um, up against an experienced, a very well-invested in Motherwell side. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really positive about the women's team right now. Um, the way things have gone since Clint's come in and the way that, you know, Dean Hansen's made captain and we've uh, we've invested a little bit in in the squad. I mean, I think I th- I feel it maybe last season we were found guilty of just almost standing still and thinking that we could just replicate the the first season of being in the top flight without really having to change much. I know we changed that kind of semi pro model, but you know, it's not that alone isn't gonna carry you through a season when the game is growing and you know we've got the glasgow sides are you know they're all on an island of their own you've got the edinburgh sides um always trying to improve and then you've got the teams in around aberdeen who are, are trying to do likewise um i'm encouraged by you know obviously bringing clinton with the experience that he has in the game down south and also that we're a little bit like the men's team looking beyond maybe the usual markets uh rather than just recruiting from teams you know in scotland who are below us in the league in the divisions or just from teams in and around us and how much are you truly gonna develop when you're just kind of playing with the same pool of players uh laura holden um inch from australia and obviously then you know faye kirby who's sounds like a real coup it sounds a bit almost like an obvious comparison it sounds a little bit getting danny ward back in the day um as far as the kind of profile uh of player that we're getting 
So the fact we've done that, um, I really hope that we can make the Balmoral or whatever the wherever the ladies are playing a bit of a fortress because that'll really help us avoid having to look over our shoulder in the later in the later months of the season. And hopefully, you know, we can just look our way up and you know get some results on the road, and it'll be a really good season, and we just continue to develop. Yeah, no, absolutely, and like I say, hopefully we can do a little bit more uh, to bring a bit more of a spotlight onto the women's team this season as it progresses. Up next for the Quines, it's a trip to Glasgow to face Rangers on Sunday afternoon. The game's coming thick and fast now. No bother. As we crack on through the season. Just notice there's been a goal alert from Peterhead and, uh, well, I'll say from Peterhead, from the Peterhead FC Twitter page. It looks like Aberdeen have gone a goal up. Uh, Stewart apparently setting up, uh, slotting home. Now, I don't know, has this gone under the radar? Is number 11 Anthony Stewart? If we have found Tony a new position and it's a roaming left winger, then that is going to be... I'm trying to think who that might be. That is something I want to see. It'll be Alfie Stewart, presumably. It'll be Alfie Stewart who's scored there. Nobody clarified it, but presumably it's Alfie Stewart winning the number 11 shirt that scored that. Anyway, will that wrap us up for the first half here, Gavin? Yes, please. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And Siberia Bar and Hotel are pleased to announce the introduction of their new venture, introducing Doe & Co, brand new, fresh handmade donuts coming to you from Belmont Street, Aberdeen, opening in the summer of 2023, just in time for a new season and European nights. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Uh, just before we move on to the My Favourite Game segment with Davey Cormack, just a quick shout out, of course, if you like what we do on the show, if you'd like to help us keep fueled in our beers or coffees, then please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. Hit us up with a beer or a coffee. It is absolutely much appreciated. But Gav, here we go. We can move on to my favourite game. Um, so it's of course a segment we've been running for a little while now with various different um, Aberdeen fans of all shapes and sizes and ages and vintages who've come on to have a chat with us about what is their favourite game. The, the clue is in the name, as they say. Um, we've had some really good varied responses so far and these are some really good wonders down memory lane. And uh, earlier this week we were joined by the chairman, Mr Dave Cormack, to come and talk to us about his favourite game. And Gav, what did he select? Davey, of course, he has selected the game that he was at in Edinburgh that sealed our first title under Sir Alex Ferguson. He has selected Aberdeen 5, Hibernian 0 in 1980. And here is Dave Cormack to talk my favourite game. Dave Cormack, welcome along to the ABZ Football Podcast. How's things? Good, Gary. Um, probably, um, you know, maybe don't know me as well as... as um, some do, but I'm actually quite an impatient person. And um, I find this the most frustrating time of the year, particularly when you've got uh, yet another uh, overhaul in the squad. And uh, I shouldn't complain too much because the nights and weekends that are going in, you know, to the recruitment side, people just don't see. But um, anyway, 
that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so no, before we get to move on to just that, I guess we'll just quickly touch on it before we move on to the segment about kind of your favorite game, which is what we're here to talk about tonight. Um, just generally, how do you think kind of close season's gone so far in general? Because as you say, massive overhaul the squad needed again at the back end of last season. Uh, we're talking between now the, the first game of the season against Livingston and the Celtic game. Still looks like there's still some work to be done, but generally, how do you think things have, have gone? Well, look, I, I think that the transfer window doesn't end until the end of August. I think if it ended earlier, much earlier, then some of the talent that we're maybe after, and not just us other teams, might come to fruition earlier. But, you know, um, listen, if we go back six seasons or whatever it was, five seasons, you know, we were looking at Bosman's and lower English leagues, right? And there are some decent players clearly that are there. But I think other than, obviously, uh, Nicky Devlin, Devlin, who's been fantastic since he's joined us, every player is under contract. And every player we're trying to sign is under contract. And you either do the, um, let's get him in and uh, focus on quality, or you focus on quantity. And that's kind of uh, where we are. Um, um, but if you think about being able to persuade, I mean, for example, with Shinny and I've, Graham, I've known Graham, I've stayed in touch with Graham since he left. And, you know, um, Wigan still wanted him, right? Derby wanted him. And so uh, that for us was the right investment, significant investment in getting him here. Um, and with Leighton Clarkson, nobody believed we could potentially get Leighton and we've got him on a four-year contract. Some of the other business we've done, like, you know, Slobodan, uh, Nicky Devlin, um, uh, mentioned earlier, um, and, um, uh, you know, uh, Esther, um, um, good, good, good guys. They need to gel into the team or has just come over from Israel. It's a different, you know, in many ways, type of game here as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with the guys we brought in. Unfortunate that Reese and um, and Angus got injured, you know. But uh, make no mistake that we're still burning. The guys are still burning the midnight oil. But quality is the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think we yeah, absolutely echo the sentiments of the three of us on the show for definite from that perspective. Um, of course, we're speaking now between you know the, on the Wednesday evening prior to the game against Celtic. So we now know, obviously, that we're going to face either uh, Balkluben-Hecken or Zalgiris-Vilnius in the playoff round of the Europa League. Looking forward to that one, Dave, and I'm guessing it's going to be a, a raucous atmosphere at Pataudry, isn't it, for that second leg? Yeah, yeah, no, listen. Um, we went through that transition period and, you know, get, you know, at the end of the day, the most important thing is 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 the team manager, right? Um, and, you know, all the other stuff that we've been focusing on as a club off the field in particular, um, you know, it's been frustrating watching that um, go so well. Um, but obviously, first team results, um, um, we went through obviously in January and, and moving on, Jim, real kind of kind of challenge. But look, uh, we've had one season, last season, yeah, I mean, uh, Barry pulled it out of the fire. Um, just a, a reminder that when, you know, we parted company, Jim, Jim and I spoke after that Hibs game that both, Matty Pollock and uh, Angus were driving up to Aberdeen, you know, and look, when you go through these big transitions, you don't get everything right. You do your absolute best. And um, clearly Matty and Angus made a big difference uh, through the rest of the, the season. But look, 
Um, we love European football at Aberdeen. Um, and um, first time, I think since 2007, we qualified for group stages. And remember back then, there was one qualifier to get in the group stages. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, you see what you got to through, go through these days. You know, they keep talking about they've added in the Europa Conference League and it's to give clubs and leagues that we're in uh, an opportunity. And yet Roma win it and <laughs> Sevilla and all the, wherever it is. Um, and so, but no, listen, the guys that, uh, you know, both Hecken and um, Lithuanian team were champions of their, their league. Obviously, yeah. Hecken had a tough game against the uh, Faroese. Um, we all get these tough games <laughs> now and again. But make no mistake, they won the league for a reason. Hecken did last year. And it will be a tough, tough game. Great people. We got on really, really well with the board and guys at Hecken. I think we caught them cold in mm -hmm. that first game with Stephen Glass and the guys. I think they thought they were going to roll us over, you know? And um, obviously, we kind of blitzed them at Pitodri, uh, which was uh, great in and of itself. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to come over uh, for these games um, and, uh, and, and, and look forward to the opportunity. Um, I hopefully we've, you know, but then we got a couple of players so in. Um, but, and, and Angus in particular should be back maybe this weekend. Um, and so hopefully we, we, we get that kind of sorted out, but there should be exciting games. I mean, Petodri on a European night is brilliant. You know, we'll sell out the stadium, uh, no doubt. Um, and I think we've actually sold out for, for Sunday now as well, virtually against Celtic, which obviously is a horrible time, 12 yeah. at lunchtime on a Sunday is not the best of times, but um, it is what it is. No, absolutely. And as you say, there's always something very special about a European night at Pataudry. It just brings out the very best of the of the old lady. But anyway, that's enough about looking forwards. We're going to cast our eyes back uh, 43 years, Dave, for this one. Um, because you're taking the time to join us here as our guest for this edition of My Favourite Game. And you've selected Hibsnell, Aberdeen 5, Easter Road from Saturday the 3rd of May. 1980, the day, of course, that the Dons sealed the Scottish Premier Division title, a first title for Aberdeen in 25 years. The first time a non-old firm side had become champions in 15 years as well of Scotland. So just, I guess, before we get onto the game itself, Dave, the 1979-80 season, that would see you be, what, 20, 21 years of age, yeah. I think. What was the life and world of a, a of a young Dave Cormack like at that time? Well, um, you know, I, um, gosh, I was... Effectively, I was uh, my background was accounting, and at that point in time, um, I had um, <clears throat> I had uh, joined the American Oil Company as management accountant up in Tullus, Hamilton Brothers Oil and Gas, famous for its semi-submersible rig detaching and floating off to Norway, for those of uh, a particular vintage. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was twenty one. When we we played Hibs then. Listen, I could easily have chosen uh, Bayern Munich or Real Madrid games or that, but for me this was kind of proof that um, you know we were here, and um, you know we had a few near misses. Uh, we lost the League Cup final, I think it was to to Rangers when Doug Rugby got sent off when the De, De, um, Derek Johnson feigned injury. Yeah. Um, but uh, listen. Um, you know, and I was at the, the games at Parkhead, the two games um, at Parkhead earlier. And uh, but um, 
that was an and you look back at the team, right? And um I did look at back in the last week when we talked, but it's it not in front of me, but I think about you know Clark and goal, Stuart Kennedy lightning at right back, big Doug Rugby, right footed, but at left back, and he was great at left back. Yeah, Miller and McLeish, you got your midfield, Andy Watson, um, you got uh, McMaster and Gordon Strachan, and you got a front line of Scanlon, McGee, and Stevie Archibald. I mean, what a team, right? And um, so, um, as I recall, um, it was a lovely day, and uh, my mates and I, there was about five, six of us, went down on the train to Edinburgh and um, had a few uh, drinks before the game, as you do. And um, and uh, the game was a, a wee bit of a, a blur because... We blew them away 5-0, I think. Scan, Scanlon scored two. McGee scored one. Andy Watson scored a goal. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, Archibald, Stevie scored one, as I recall. Can't remember who the sub was. Dougie Bell was on the bench. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the game was a kind of a bit of a, not a bore. We just blew them away. I think we scored in the first couple of minutes or something as well. And so... Um, but at the end of the game, I was at that end where the Dons fans were, there were a few thousand of us, and then it became clear, I think Celtic drew nil-nil at Love Street, the old Love Street with St Mirren, and um, came through that um, mathematically, certainly, we'd we'd won the league. So, um, And I still remember um, Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex, running up to, to Bobby, Bobby Clark, and jumping into his arms, and, um, you know, a young Bobby Clark. And um, he's still young, but he's about 77 just now. He's still as competitive you know, uh, for such a nice man, right? Bobby is still highly competitive. I mean, he's, whether I'm here in the States or whether it's um, back at Aberdeen, Bobby's texting me through the games. He watches the games on Red TV and that. He's up in lossy mouth. And he won't stop texting me. It's like, Bobby, leave me alone. I'm watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, Bobby was, um, or Mr. Clark, as I called him, was my um, PE teacher at Harlow and coach. And uh, we actually, Harlow beat Kincorth. We won the School's Cup final, 1975. Um, I famously scored a tap-in at the beach end. And it went to a, it was a draw, went to a replay at Linksfield 2. Um, now the, the village, Sporting Village, and we beat Kincorth 2-1. And uh, the reason I... I, I, I go on about that at times is because my now wife for the last 41 years was there supporting King Court because she went to King Court. But uh, anyway, some useless information. But the game itself passed quickly uh, back into town um, and um, I uh, called up. I'd arranged to actually see some of my cousins, my dad's family, all from Edinburgh. And so some of my cousins came into town. We got the last train home to Aberdeen. And all I kind of remember is um been wakened up on the train um um having been quite tired for whatever reason <laughs> and coming off the train at the, the joint station there and when you all came off and everybody sung because of the, the height of the roof in there you know the noise was like tenfold yeah and um, just just a, a kind of brilliant um you know experience but i that was the coming of age that proved that, you know, what we put in place, I mean, Billy McNeil did a great job for the season he was with us. 
and he he got um, um, Stevie Archibald came from Clyde, yeah, and he got Gordon Strachan from Dundee, um, and Jim Shearer went the other way to Dundee, but uh, you know the, the, that for me was a stake in the ground. You know, first time we'd won the league in 25 years. The second time only we'd won yep. the league from 1955. And um, and obviously 15 years um, since an honourable for team had won it in 1965. Um, so, yeah, that for me was, um, was, a, was, a, was a lovely day. It's an incredible season as well. We'll quickly just look back on it just briefly because the season itself, it doesn't go off to a great start, you know, and then we touched no. on it. You know, they, we end up in a... A situation where any hopes of a kind of league title challenge basically are, are gone by January. There's a, a defeat yeah. by Morton, and then there's a nil-nil draw with Celtic in January. And at that point, I think there's a further defeat to Killy in in late February, and we're ten points behind Celtic at that point with only fifteen games remaining. And of course, yeah. there's only two points for a win at that point as well. But then, unbelievably, we don't lose another game that season. There's almost parallels a little bit with last season um, from this perspective. There's obviously that famous 1-0 win against Morton in March. Scotland yeah. this big freeze. Snow has to be cleared off the pitch. Alex Ferguson, an incredible crew of people get the game game on. Drew Jarvie picks up the winner that afternoon. And then there's the double header you just spoke about there at, at Parkhead. I mean, from that run-in, what are the games that stick out to you? I presume it's going to be those two at Parkhead, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, the Morton game was, as you look back on it, was significant. Morton was our bogey team. Yeah, and pitch was hard as bricks, right? You didn't have sprinkler systems and all the rest of it in those days, and um, and so, um, but that game was significant because Morton were our bogey team. Andy Ritchie always went scored against us, right? But the two games I was down at in Glasgow um, were incredible. Um, you know, um, yeah, the the three one game. Oof, I mean, so yeah. I hadn't really thought about it that way, um, Gary, that, um, you know, very similar to this season, uh, you know, uh, different in the sense we were 10 points behind, right? Um, but we were 10 points, probably yeah. 12 points behind Hearts, you know? Um, and, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, these were these were super games. And, you know, as you think about the managers at Aberdeen, right, um, Sir Alex, um, knew he had one way or the other to take on Glasgow. Celtic and Rangers had to make statements there. And early on, I remember, well, everyone maybe read this, but about one of the first games in Glasgow, I think it was against Rangers, we got a draw and the guys were celebrating in the dressing room and Sir Alex went mad because he wants to win the game. And things like going down to Rangers or Celtic and... Um, and 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 rather than delaying throw-ins and mm-hmm. uh, tactics like that, we were quick with the throw-ins. We, he wanted to play, um, and that kind of psyche is critical. And um, I, I remember at the time, and I, I looked it up the other day. Alex talked after the win in the league about he hates losing; he wants to be a winner. Mm-hmm. And um, so, if you go back though, um, the other example for me was Eddie Turnbull. Mm. As manager, um, if Eddie hadn't gone back, we we were second runner up to Celtic in seventy seventy one league, I think it was, and um, Celtic were top team in Europe. They'd been in the, the Champions League or European Cup final. They lost to Feyenoord after being up, um, and top top team. 
And um, we were close to it. I think if Eddie had stayed at Aberdeen, we would have um, we'd have won the league with Eddie. I'm, yeah. I'm convinced of that. But obviously his first love was, was Hibernian. And he went back there. But what Eddie did, similar to Fergie, was in 1965, uh, when he came to Aberdeen, he got rid of 17 players, right? You think about the squad overhaul then. But he brought in guys like Bobby Clark. Bobby was at Jordan Hill at the time as a student to be a PE teacher. You know, and came up and played Aberdeen. And, um, you know, 1970 in the Scottish Cup final. His family, all big Celtic fans, Arthur Graham, Bumper Graham, 17 years old, wins the um, wins the Scottish Cup. Yeah. So I think there's there's a there's there's actually a similarity in terms of um psyche of Eddie Turnbull and Sir Alex. Because I've heard stories about um Celtic coming to Pataudry and Eddie Turnbull waiting for Jock Steen to come in and saying to Jock, hey, Jock, if you think we're scared of you, we're no scared of you. We're here to put the frighteners on you or words to that effect, you know? And um, I've heard that from people down the years that that were there, these games. Um, and so, plus giving youth a chance as well, mm-hmm. you know? It's the, it's the Aberdeen way. Just going back, thinking about the game then at East Road, just, just quickly, because, I mean... You know, as an Aberdeen fan, um, you'll know as well as anyone. You know, there's there's always the the expectation that you're that we're going to do something, and in the run up to that uh, 1979-1980 season, obviously, Alex Ferguson's come in. We've had two defeats in the League Cup finals, successive seasons. One of them in a, a replay at neutral Dens Park, obviously earlier on in that campaign. And going into the game, can you remember? Were you feeling confident about this? We were going to do it, or is it that kind of natural apprehension? But we've got so close. Are we just going to kind of fall at that last hurdle once again? Well, listen, I went down to that replay at Dundee, right? In Dundee um, against United. I was at the first game, right? Which, and we bombarded them at Hamden. And I went down to the game, Dundee, it was so busy. We got there 15 minutes after the kickoff and didn't get in. <laughs> Thank God, because we lost. <laughs> <laughs> but... But with the Hibs game, I don't think anybody had a real kind of expectation. Mm. I think that people felt that Celtic were gonna gonna beat um St. Mirren, for example. And it would go to the oh. go to the final game, yeah. Yeah. So and of course we drew the final game against Partick. Um, but um I don't think it was really a, an expectation um of we're gonna win it. Um but you know, patience is a virtue, they say. Absolutely, and we would such I mean, it's a really professional performance. Hibs are relegated already before we yeah. get to this game, which which maybe helps us a little bit. But it's a tremendously professional performance. You see, you know, two goals within the first twenty six minutes. Stevie yeah. Archibald gets on the end of a John McMaster free kick to nod the first one, and Andy Watson gets the second just a couple minutes later. As always with these types of occasions, getting the first goals on the board are always crucial. That would have presumably settled any nerves there might have been on the terraces. Oh, definitely. And you know what? There was only 12,000 people there. I think there was 5,000 Aberdeen fans. I could be wrong. But, I mean, Easter Road, for its size, was pretty empty, you know? Yeah. And Hibs relegated. So, you know, um, uh, you'd, but, but you still have to beat them. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And that's the one thing about um, playing, which is that you take everybody seriously, which you should do, doesn't matter who you're playing against, and you give everything in a game, right? Um, 
and that was Fergie's ethos, right? And, um, you know, a bit, fantastic team of boys as well. Incredible. Um, you think of some of those players and what they went on to. I mean, what uh, what um, Gordon Strachan did, Man United, Leeds, and won the league when he was like 40 or something at Leeds. And Stevie Archibald on to, to Barcelona and Tottenham. In the second half, a double from Scanlon, one from Mark McGee. The Dons complete the route. On the field, it's comfortable. Jubilant scenes in the away end, tempered briefly with the news that Celtic had been awarded a last-minute penalty, only for that to be overruled by the linesman and a free kick awarded instead. Can you remember being you huddled around the radio on the terraces at that point as well? Well, Bobby Clark was in trying to get messages yeah, on the yeah. pitch as well. Well, we were trying to tune into somebody's radio, <laughs> right? There were only a few, uh, all the guys that were, I guess you'd call them anoraks these days, right? All the guys that had radios had the anoraks because they're, they're listening, and we're all trying to kind of huddle in and listen, listen in, but. It wasn't really, didn't dawn on you until you saw the cheering coming from Sir Alex and the players um, that we'd obviously, we'd obviously kind of made it. And, um, you know, um, and if you're hoping that happens, you know, um, the gods were with us with a penalty being awarded and denied or ruled off. But uh, yeah, we'll take it. Exactly. Can you, can you describe, can you remember just the feelings when reality dawns that we are champions of Scotland for the first time in 25 years? It was just, um, everybody was just elation. And so when you get whatever the number of crowd that was there, three, four, five thousand Aberdeen fans, then the elation, because all the Hibs fans had all gone by then, you know, um, and uh, you go over the bridge, you know, at Leith and we were all singing away and, um, and everyone then got onto buses or, got the earlier trains and we went up to George Street and a um, bunch of us and um, my cousins came in and um, we, we kind of caught up and um, just um, surreal in a lot of ways, you know, but that kind of dawn, a real dawning probably came in the next day once I'd sobered up. <laughs> it's such an iconic game and, and you touched on it earlier on, it's the start of a real golden era in the history of our club and, you know, we've, we've celebrated that um, significance and some of those monumental achievements just in the, in the year that's gone past and you know we've spoken to so many of the guys who were involved in this period and who played in this game and you know the prevailing view has always been amongst them that getting this league title under our belts was so key to developing the belief in the winning culture within the club as well that set us off on our merry way towards those two European trophies amongst a host of other domestic success in the next six years but if you cast your mind back to Easter Road in 1980, it's impossible even at that point when you're league champions to foresee what's just about to come around the corner, isn't it? Yeah. No, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And, you know, one of the things back in that era, if you look at who won the um, European Cup and who won or won European Cups over each seasons, similarly with the Cup Winner Cups and also the um, UEFA Cup, you know, you think about these tournaments and, you know, um, today it's just completely changed because the combination of TV money for the top five leagues um, and uh, Bosman, you know, um, you think of some of the players back then that had their careers at Aberdeen, what these guys would have been. I mean, can you imagine if we had that team now mm-hmm. and, you know, and players back then couldn't leave a club without a 
club agreeing a transfer fee with the next club. They couldn't finish the contract and walk out. You know, you imagine um, the value some of these guys and the potential earnings they would have had. Um, um, but it, it's changed. In a lot of ways, it hasn't changed for the better because mm -hmm. it's clear that the money in the game is all driven towards the top five leagues because that's where the, the end of the day, that's where the subscription revenue is. You know, if you've got England with 60 million people and we're 5 million people and then you've got um, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, you know, um, and I, I'm a real proponent of where we are just now. I know I'm diverting a wee bit here, but of why can't... So, for example, in the States, they've got, um, depending on sizes of universities, right, uh, or high schools, you could have... Um, if a high school's got 5,000 pupils versus 1,000, they actually have state championships for different levels. Yeah. So it's a fair fight. It's a bit like boxing, right? Because today, you know, we are, let's say, a lightweight and against heavyweights at times, not just Aberdeen, but other teams. And um, that's what they've tried to do with this UEFA Conference League. But, you know, when you still have the top teams in the top leagues kind of winning it, and in some ways defeats a purpose. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But, it, but listen, it is what it is, and we just have to do our utmost to try and affect change in some ways and and handle it yeah i mean we are we're kind of digressed a bit but you're right i think when when the conference league concept came around i think everybody had the view that this would be great potentially for countries like scotland um maybe like the scandinavian countries who have historically large football clubs but just cannot compete on that kind of global level now or that pan-european level for want of a better phrase yeah. on it and gave opportunities to teams like that but then when you look at and, you know, I know we're all hoping we, we we don't have to drop into the Conference League, but even now when you're looking with the safety net of having it and you look at some of the projected pots that exist, it's like this is almost, you know, this is there's some top, top teams lurking in the Conference League, let alone if you get yeah. into Europa League. Um, and it is, it's one of those big challenges, I think, that a lot of fans of clubs like Aberdeen, like ourselves, look at and you say, you know, you kind of hark back to the the golden days of the, the 70s and 80s where you just had, you know, there was no seeding, you know, on, on cup draws. The, there was no group stages, which I, think, I know the group stages provide a lot more guaranteed revenue and everything, but just a free-for-all. And if the champions of England draw the champions of Europe in the first round, so be it. That's just what happens. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame in one way that that's where we've gone. It's going to be interesting I think, to see what happens over the next couple of years, I think, because obviously the, the, the ability in UEFA competitions to drop from competition to competition is going to go. Was it next season that starts? I think it is. Well, it, it doesn't go fully. It it gets paired back. Yeah. And it's next season. So 24, 25. 25 yeah. Um, but obviously the coefficient that we uh, need in Scotland to still have the third place team or the Scottish Cup winning team guaranteed European uh, football, like in this case, the, the conference league, you know, that then we've got to keep that coefficient. And that coefficient, you know, we're very close with other countries yeah. to that. Um, but I was just delighted that having come through what we've all kind of come through, that we um, we sort of did what we did in 1980 and surprised a few people. It just shows you that um, you should keep your gob shut until 38 games are up. <laughs> um, and um, and uh, so, but no, I'm just pleased for... Um, everybody at the club um, because that's why we're there we're there to try and put a smile on everybody's face
Yeah, it's going to be great. And there's a, a new generation of Aberdeen fans, I think, just looking forward to that first experience of group stage European football. It seems like it's, it seems on one hand, like it was just yesterday we had Bayern Munich visiting us again in 2008. But on the other hand, it is still 15 years ago, which is just crazy to think about it. Anyway, Dave, listen, it's been a pleasure for us to get a chance to talk to you tonight about your favourite game. I'm sure we're all hopeful for some more memorable games to come this season that we can maybe add to that list going forward but we'll let you go because we know you're a busy man and the time difference means it's still your working day as opposed to mine when I'm going to go and have a beer and watch the rest of the Celtic or the rest of the Rangers game tonight but on that basis Dave thanks so much for joining us stand free stand free thanks for your time that'll wrap us up for another episode of the ABZ football podcast thanks for joining us please remember to like subscribe whatever you do on your podcast player of choice join us next time out for our review of the Sterling Albion game in the Viaplay League Cup second round and we will be joined by either Jonas and Christopher hopefully from the Balkluben and Hecken podcast to talk about our prospective playoff round tie with Balkluben and Hecken. If it's Zalgrisvillness don't want it we do also have a Lithuanian sports journalist whose name I cannot pronounce Salius Michalunas isn't it? That's the one. Thank you, Gavin. Yeah. Very good. Um, he's been let out of Vladimir Romanov's submarine. To or David Chesnowskis. Yes, absolutely. Or, or Jan Kauskas. On the off chance, there's a big shock result in Gothenburg on Thursday afternoon. We've got all bases covered for that to sit and have a quick preview of the massive, massive Europa League playoff round, the first leg, which will take place next week, either in Gothenburg or in Lithuania. Join us then. Stanford. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on you Reds!